You're listening to the Pool Boy Podcast. Hello, Steve here with another Commonwealth Games Memories Edition of the Pool Boy Podcast. And for this episode, we're going international. My guest is Australian, he's speaking to me from the US, and if you like your swimming podcasts, you'll know him well. So let's get into it. Okay, we're back talking Commonwealth Games and getting some more reminiscences. And if you listen to any swimming podcast, you'll know this man's voice, but we're flipping the tables and he's answering the questions today. Brett Hawke, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, mate. Appreciate it. Well, we, as I say, we're talking Commonwealth Games um, and your recollections of the two that you went to. But before we dive into the detail, um, as an Aussie, how do you see the Commonwealth Games? For us Brits, you know, it's a chance to get the rivalry up between Wales and England and Scotland and what have you and, and three per nation means we get to see loads of our swimmers but as an Aussie you know how do you feel about them mate I love them I love them to death I mean I grew up on the Commonwealth Games in Australia it's, it was always a big deal and it was probably you know a bigger deal even even than any other major kind of event for us in a way because the swimming uh, I mean the Olympics always seemed like uh an exclusive club of, of world athletes where the Commonwealth felt a little bit closer to home. It just felt like we were battling against, you know, our brothers and sisters. So it was, there was always more of a personal relationship there to the Commonwealth Games. And um, it seemed like a fun event too. It seemed like you wanted to go there and have fun, whereas the Olympics seemed like a pressure-packed situation, you know. But uh, I just remember growing up and watching it. Um, one of the early memories for me is kind of a Lisa Curry uh, you know, from back in 91, I think she dominated. I think the, the Commonwealth Games back then were in Auckland. Um, and that, yep. that's a real big memory for me, um, kind of watching that on TV and, and um, seeing these swimmers become household names, but, but having fun doing it, you know. And it just became a really big thing growing up in Sydney of like, I want to do that. You know, like I'd love to get there. I don't know if I can get to the Olympics, but man, I'd love to get to the Commonwealth Games, you know. And uh, is it is it, you know, something that gets more kind of coverage, more interest in Australia than than say a World Championships or a Pan Packs or something like that? Yeah, it's definitely second on the list. You know, you got your Olympics, which is the pinnacle, and then it's a it's a close second to the Commonwealth Games, and and that kind of overshadows everything else. Um, World Championships is a, is of interest to those people that are interested in swimming, and and swimming is a big deal in Australia, but it's still not you know full mainstream I'd, I'd say but like commonwealth games the whole of australia stops to watch you know yeah and i think uh, i think that shows uh, in in you know people's decisions this year to to perhaps focus on that more than more than worlds which have been jumping around but let's um let's let's talk about your experiences of them then if we start in manchester in 2002 um how did you travel to those games i mean did you go with expectations of what you might achieve? Were you just you know, happy to be on the team? I mean, that was a, a superstar era for, for, for Australian swimming. You know, when you look at the people who were on that that squad, but you know, what was your mindset heading to those games? Yeah, well, even just kind of a step back from that, I remember trying to qualify for my first major long course team was 2000 Olympics. And at that stage, I was 25 years old. So I was kind of an older athlete. I'd just come back from America. I had a lot of experience. I'd been training in Australia, but... Um, 
I wanted to make this Olympic team and I did. And then after that, I made a decision to go on for the next four years. So part of that four-year plan was certainly the Commonwealth Games a couple of years later. And in 2000, I made a decision kind of to myself. I I made an agreement to myself that I was not going to miss another Australian team for the next four years to get the experience I need to solidify myself as the number one sprinter in Australia and um, get to the next Olympics and perform better than I did in Sydney because I finished... 13th in the 50 and I was very disappointed and I said that that's not going to happen again I'm going to I'm going to be one of the best swimmers in the world the best sprinters in the world and to do that I have to dominate domestically and that was kind of my personal decision then so 2002 Commonwealth Games was actually kind of almost in my prime really Um, if I look back I was you know 27 at that stage I believe and feeling really good had good experience very confident in myself swimming was just starting to click for me like I was really figuring it out you know I was at that at that at that Commonwealth Games I was up against a very formidable opponent in Mark Foster you know who's one of the most dominant sprinters in history at that point so I knew what I was up against but I was very very prepared physically and mentally for that um, competition. So that that obviously you know that's the 50 free that, you know, that you're talking about principally you did the the 50 fly I think you know earlier in the competition with the 53 you know towards the, the back end were you someone who liked to get a swim in you know during the, the the lead up or were you happy to sit and do your own thing and wait for your for your you know sprint at the end I preferred to get a swim in you know the, the 50 was always at the back end of the meet so I'm, I'm sitting around for five six days before I even get a race so to go to the Commonwealth Games and have a 50 it was kind of a hit out, you know, the fly was a hit out for me. I didn't consider it to be one of my main events. It was, I don't even think I shaved down for that. Um, I really just went in there and, and had a hit out and, and got wet and kind of got in the competition and, and that, was, that was good. It was good physically and mentally to do that. But um, I was never the guy that was going to be on that um, four by one freestyle. Um, although that did change in, in 2006 when I actually worked my way onto, the, onto that relay team. We can talk about that later, but... Uh, I'd never really, I was never good at the 100. It was just the 50. So that that was where my focus was. It was all about getting on the podium at the, in the 50 freestyle at that event. So that so that event rolls around. Um, just looking here, you, you were the fastest qualifier from the heats and then uh, and then set a games record in the semifinal. So you, you must have had your tail up, you know, must have felt things were going your way on that first day. I felt unbeatable, honestly. I felt like I was going to win the gold medal. I felt very confident. I saw the other guys walking around the pool deck. I was not intimidated in the slightest. I felt very strong, very confident, um, and everything was uh, getting, you know, everything was falling into place, like you said, you know, fastest qualifier, you know, breaking the game's record. Um, It was all falling into place, and then um, something crazy happened uh, on the night of the final. I mean, what do you remember about that race? I mean, it was very, very, very close. Uh, just one one hundredth between you, uh, who took the silver, um, and and Roland Schumann, who who took the gold. But um, you know, what do you recall about the race? I remember everything. It was v- it's very vivid in my memory. This is the this is the race that stands out in my history as the most memorable race. Actually, uh, I remember walking outside of the pool about two hours before the final and just going for a walk in Manchester and taking it, taking it in. Actually, I went to a park. There was a park um, pretty close by and I remember walking and taking in air and just 
feeling the moment, feeling very good and very confident, and then telling myself, all right, when you walk back, you know, it's time to, it's time to win. You're going to go back and you're going to win the gold medal. So for me, that was a big deal. And I remember being in the ready room, and this is where it all just went to hell, but <laughs> being in the ready room, I had, I had a suit, um, I had a pair of goggles, and, uh, and I had a cap. And, you know, about at that, at back, back then, the suits took a little while to get on. You know, you had those big, long, full-body things with zips, right? And so you wanted to leave yourself a good 30 minutes to get this thing on. And I never felt comfortable with the suits themselves. I always felt like I was at the mercy of them a little bit. And, uh, but I wanted my suit tight. I knew I needed it tight. It was the 53, so it needed to be really pressed against my chest, really compressed on my legs. Um, which then, you know, I was a bigger guy, so it took, it took work um, to put on and, and get up. And so I started putting the suit on, taking my time, feeling good, feeling relaxed. Right before um, we walk out, we're in, we're in the ready room, right? And there's other people, other races in this ready room. So it wasn't just the men's 50 freestyle. I think they had an, a women's event lined up. So it was, it was kind of an open ready room. There was bags all around the ready room. <clears throat> and... Uh, so I remember asking Ashley Callis, who was in the final as well, I said, Ash, can you just do my suit up at the back? We're about to walk out in a couple of minutes. I remember he grabbed my back and, and yanked at my zip. And as he yanked, I, I felt a pop and the, and the suit popped. And I just heard Ashley say, oh, shit. And I, I was like, what happened? He's like, your zipper came off. Like it literally came off. There's nothing I could do. So I've got this open back suit that is completely broken. And they're like, all right, line up. We're about to go out. And I'm like, oh, you are kidding. So I went into a full panic. I mean, ne- never before I've had a panic like this. I ripped the suit off and I'm running around the ready room completely naked, looking for my bag. Because all the bags look the same and there's about 30 bags in this ready room. I forgot where my bag was at that point because I'm panicking. I'm, I'm digging through my, you know, people's bags and I can't find an extra. I'm literally naked, bending over you know, no, all modesty had gone out the window at that stage. I'm like, I need a suit desperately. I hadn't planned for this. So um, and I eventually, somebody, I can't remember exactly who that was, but somebody gave me an extra suit. It was a pair of legs. So I actually went from a full body suit to a pair of legs, unplanned. I whip this thing on as fast as I can, rip it on. It's not perfect. It's up. It's done. Okay. I get back in line. They're like, all right, great. We're going to walk out. You know, we can't wait any longer. I go to put my goggles on and I'm shaking because, you know, I'm, I'm, my adrenaline is pumping. I go to put my goggles on, my goggles snap in my hands. And I was like, you, and I remember Roland, Roland actually turned around, looked at me. He's like, you've got to be the unluckiest man on earth right now. <laughs> I was like, you've got to be shitting me. So here I am again now <laughs> looking for a pair of spare goggles. So I'm in the Commonwealth Games final got someone else's suit on, someone throws me a pair of goggles. They actually, they actually left me. They walked out to introduce the, the swimmers. They actually left me behind. I'm in the ready room looking for a pair of goggles and I hadn't walked out and I'm the fastest qualifier. And so what they did, the, they paraded us down the pool. So they paraded the guys all the way down the pool. They're doing the introductions. I get a spare pair of goggles and I run down to the end of the pool. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, I'm here now, I made it, they just introduced me and I go to check my heart rate, my heart rate's about 220 beats per minute. I'm like, 
I've got to hold my breath now. Like I've got to get from one end of the pool to the other. Hold my, I'm the, there's no way I can hold my breath. I'm, my whole race plan's gone out the window. So I had about 30 seconds to compose myself, get some deep breaths, try and relax for a second and just accept what happened and put it out of my mind. And it was literally 30 seconds. That's all it was. And we get up on the blocks. And I remember taking a big, deep breath and thinking, I hope I get to the other end. And um, raced all the way to the end and got beaten by one one hundredth of a second for the for the gold medal. And, um, you know, I, I didn't I honestly didn't have any regrets at that stage. I just I put it down to just a, just a comedy of errors. But um, I was happy I got the silver medal in the end. But I really, truly believed if things hadn't have gone that way, I really would have won that gold medal. I do believe that. Looking back at it now, do you feel look at it as a missed opportunity because of the circumstance, or do you look at it as you know a terrific result given the adversity that you'd been through in that three minutes before the before the final? I, lo- I look at it as both. See, I've got the silver medal hanging up over here. I've actually got the cap that I wore. I've got a picture of myself, and I've got a picture of uh, Roland with his gold medal, me next to him, and and Mark Foster with the bronze medal. And I don't look at it with any regret. I look at it as it is what it is. You know, that's the way history um, wrote it. And I'm certainly proud of that silver medal. But I do know this. I would have won that gold medal. I do know that. Um, it's, it's just that's the way it is. I was in really good form. I never never felt better. Um, the circumstances were just crazy. It wasn't like I was nervous. My zipper broke. And, and that created the, the situation where I was in a panic, you know, and... But you know what? It taught me an interesting lesson. From that point on, I always packed two suits with me. Like I had it with me. Even even all the way up to kind of walking out to the blocks, I still had an extra suit with me. I still had an extra pair of goggles with me all the time. And from that moment on, it gave me comfort to know that that would never happen again. Mm -hmm. And it never did. (laughs) And I never broke another suit again. (laughs) never broke another pair of goggles. But it certainly taught me a lesson for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't want it to happen. No, lightning strike twice with that sort of thing. Certainly. Um, outside of your own swims, was there any kind of anything in the pool that, that stuck in your memory from that competition? I mean, people will remember Ian Thorpe's four hundred free world record. No, um, particularly I think from Manchester. But uh, any swims that stood out from you? I don't remember Ian Thorpe's world record because the problem with me is I travelled with Ian Thorpe for six years and, and I saw that man break world records left and right. <laughs> so for me, it was just another swim. But uh, I was very spoiled, very lucky to be part of an Australian team for six years with the likes of Grant Hackett, Susie O'Neill, you know, uh, Kieran Perkins, you know, Michael Klim. I mean, all these legends, truly legends of the sport. Uh, Patria Thomas, you know, so... I got to see world record after world record just being on that Australian team. Um, it's very hard for any one particular swim to stand out at a, at a Commonwealth Games necessarily. For me, um, just a, a series of great performances one after the other. So I was just very proud to be in that era. I, like I knew too. I, looking back, you look at it and people think, oh, wow, what a time to be on that team. I knew it at the time. I was, like I was pinching myself all the time that – I was part of this this team that was just, um, you know, I knew it was one of the greatest in history with, with the likes of Grant Hackett and Ian Thorpe and those guys. So uh, it just felt very fortunate to be watching race after race, you know? 
Yeah, the thing that the thing that strikes me about about Thought's world record was that just before before the meet, the the Australian I don't know if he was the head coach or the performance director, Greg Hodge, uh, had come out and, and said that he thought the pool wasn't up to world records and nobody would break any world records and you know the pool was useless. And then of course Ian does what Ian does and goes out on night one and sets a, a world record that stood for ages. So uh, you know. So be careful what you wish for, I guess. With I think part of that too was a little gamesmanship in terms of like taking some pressure off a guy like Thorpeith because people were always expecting world records. And so I think what he was doing there was kind of, and it makes sense now as a coach, you know, to do something like that, uh, to just pull back on the media expectations a little bit of like, like let's just enjoy the performances and what come will come. And so then you do get a guy like Thorpeith goes, goes and does that and you think to yourself wow he must be really special if he can do it in that crappy pool but no it was a very good pool and it was a great place to race in I just remember I remember the intimacy like I just felt like the crowd was right on top of you felt like your teammates were right there it felt very close um you know as opposed to kind of some of the other pools I've been to where it feels very open and um this one felt very intimate well let's let's jump forward four years then to uh, to the games in Melbourne in in 2006. Now you retired after that meet. Did you know going in that it was going to be you know, your last hurrah, if you like? Yeah, I really did at that stage. Um, I was you know 30 31 years old at that point, and um, uh, you know I think there was like a 15 year old girl on the team. You know, it was like I was 31, and and one of my teammates was half my age, kind of thing. So it was like I just lost interest. I wasn't injured i wasn't um you know necessarily getting slower i think i think back then we, we didn't have aging athletes at that point i think mark, you know mark foster and people like that were pushing the boundaries but it wasn't more you know it's more of a commonplace now that 31 year olds are in the sport for sure there was more money too but um it was just really more of a time thing like okay i've, I've been doing this for a while now like that's enough and so i i did know that and and i think that kind of affected my performance is a little bit like some it, I went in a little less hungry actually you would think that you'd go in hungry with that mentality but I actually went in a little bit less hungry of like I just want to enjoy the moment rather than I'm going there to win this gold medal kind of thing so in looking back you know I don't know if it was the right mentality or not but I'm glad I really I, I really took it all in I soaked it all in I just really enjoyed the experience. And were you still training in Melbourne at that point because obviously it would have been your your home pool as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was um, yeah, it was definitely my home pool. We actually were training in the pool um, that was a little bit older, that was indoors. We were training in that facility, but we watched this facility get built. Basically, while we're training, they're building this thing in front of our eyes. So that part of it was super cool to watch this thing, you know, kind of take shape and then be the first people to perform in it. Um, it was really exciting for that, that point, you know? Yeah, now we've spoken, you've said, you know your piece about how how good that team was you know that era of australian men's swimming but you know you were without grant hackett for that meet because he had a shoulder injury and an operation i think and then and then just before um ian thorpe who we'd not seen since since athens pulled out as well did that have any kind of impact on the on the atmosphere in the team you know because he's he's a superstar he'd be a loss to any team yeah i think so yeah it did it did feel weird you know like those guys were just kind of the part of the fabric of the of the team and you know for them to pull out it, it did feel different and there was a kind of a changing of the guard it felt like even even on the women's side there was some people that just weren't there anymore so it was 
it did feel like a younger team. It felt like um, a new direction in a way. Um, and, and that's kind of ad- added to the part of where I felt like, you know, it's time for me to move on here because, you know, that was, that, that's my group and my group's kind of like moving on, this younger generation's coming through. So it, it felt like a changing of the guard in a way, yeah. And uh, you said you were going there maybe a little less hungry, but has your preparation been good? I mean, were you going there still with expectations to get on the podium? Yeah, I think I think I was still expecting to to win. I felt I felt like the training was really good, and I was hoping that um, that would show. Actually, I felt like the training was very good, and it was actually the first time that I'd actually qualified for the relay. So at the age of thirty one. I swam my best 100 freestyle at the trials and qualified for the relay team, which I'd never done before. So it was like really absurd that all of a sudden at the end of my career, this 100 freestyle was coming on. And, uh, and to be part of this team and really feel welcomed by my good friend Michael Clem and Eamon Sullivan was in that relay. And we, we kind of really bonded around that relay. And so that, that part of it was super special. And, um, and exciting for me and and that kind of made it a little bit different of like being part of this relay team for the first time and that was your that was your swim your your chance to get in and have a have a race before your your individual 53 but um i'm got a recollection that maybe it didn't all go smoothly for that relay in terms of getting ready beforehand yeah it was another one of those experiences again like i had this experience in in 02 where you know something so bizarre happened and then I go to, you know, the Athens Olympics, I go to World Championships, I go to Pampax, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then four years later, I come to this Commonwealth Games and something bizarre happens again. So I'm getting ready for this relay. Michael Klim and I are roommates and, you know, you have your nap before you kind of go to the pool at night. You know, you have your lunch, you have a nap, you kind of get up and then you, you go to the pool together to get ready for the final. And so I had my nap and decided I needed to have a kind of a wake-up shower. So I go into the shower and it's kind of a community shower. You know, you have people from, uh, you know, all, all the different rooms kind of sharing showers. So I went in there and there was just a, a bunch of open bottles, you know, for, for shampoo. And for whatever reason, I decided to use someone's shampoo. And um, as I'm in the shower, I could feel my skin starting to burn. And I thought to myself, like, what, what's going on? So I get out of the shower and I, and I break out in this this rash like a like a like a heat rash but not 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 only is it just kind of in one spot it's like all over my body my body starts to swell up and I come outside and and Michael's like what happened to you and I'm like I have no idea I just used someone's shampoo now looking back I don't know if I was having some sort of um physical reaction to the thought of maybe this this is my last meet this is the first time I'm going to be on this relay the the weight of the expectations, maybe it was something mental. You know, I put it down to something, you know, like maybe I was allergic to something in the shower because it happened kind of quickly. And I didn't feel necessarily stressed, but who knows, man, the, the, the human body is incredible. And the, and the human mind is very, very powerful. And I don't know subconsciously if I was just, you know, if it was, if it was a stress reaction. Um, but I do know that they took me down to the medical clinic and they immediately said, we've got to give him an adrenaline shot. Like he's going to, you know, um, something serious is going on here. So they give me an adrenaline shot and nothing really happens. And, the, and then they say, well, we've got to give you another adrenaline shot. So they give me two. And then I say to them, well, that's great, but I, you know, I've got to go race now. And they're like, oh, no, you, you can't race. You just had two adrenaline shots. I'm like, 
I'm racing in an hour and nothing's going to stop me, okay? And so they kind of had this little side meeting with the doctors and the team managers and, you know, the relay team is gone. They're at the pool warming up and I'm there by myself. <laughs> and uh, So then, you know, they come back and they say, all right, we agree that you can race on your own. You know, you have to sign a waiver to say that you've agreed, you know, you're doing this on your own, but you're not allowed to warm up. You can't do a warm up. You know, your heart rate's already at... 220 again i'm back to this again and then uh they said it's just too risky to do a warm-up so i actually had to go to the pool and just sit and relax put my suit on get up on the block and perform without touching the water without doing anything but my heart rate because of the adrenaline that was going through my body my heart rate was uh and so i'm thinking to myself as i'm going down the first 50 like is my heart going to explode? Like, what's going to happen here? Like, I really, truly didn't fully... I was worried, but I was like, you know what? Just just do it. And uh, and so at the end of the race, I, th- I think I split like 49.6 or something like that. And, and I thought to myself, oh, man, that was easy. Like, I wish I had really emptied the tank there. Like, like I felt the most amazing 100 freestyle of my life. And, um, and I felt like I held back, you know, because of this whole thing where I felt like my heart was going to explode. I thought man, I really could have gone faster there. So I was kind of pissed at myself that I didn't, you know? Well, you picked up, you picked up silver there, obviously behind the, the South Africans who were the Olympic champions at the time. So, you know, a good result, probably most people would say. Um, but you must, by this point, you know, with your 50 to come, you must be thinking you're cursed for Commonwealth Games. You know, <laughs> yeah. what, what else is going to go wrong in my, in, my, uh, in my 50? I actually did think that, yeah. I was like, there must be a curse. What's going on here? And then I, then I just thought to myself, oh, well, the time's right. You know, it's time to bow out. So um, I actually swam a really um, good 50. I felt great about it. I just didn't feel like things were clicking like they were in 2002. I just didn't feel the same. Like I didn't, I wasn't as poppy in the water. I wasn't, you know, I just, I just didn't have it. You know, like something was missing. Even though I got on the podium, I think I got the bronze medal. I think it was um, maybe. Did Roland win again? Yeah, Roland took the took the gold and Brent Roland Hayden. Roland won snuck again, in and then Brent silver. Hayden. Yeah, yeah. yeah a young a young Brent Hayden kind of came through and snatched the silver off me, and I and I was lucky enough to get the bronze. And I thought, wow, oh, that's a pretty good result. The way I was feeling, I wasn't feeling great, so I was happy to get the bronze at that stage. So I mean, that was that would have been your last swim, your last competitive swim. You're you're happy that was the way. You know that your career came to an end. Yeah, you yeah, know, honestly, um, it was within about a. It was within two years that I go back to the Olympics with a young man by the name of Caesar Cielo, and we win gold medal together. And I thought to myself, "Geez, I'm I'm glad I'm not racing this guy. You know, I'm glad I didn't hang around for another two years and try and take on Caesar Cielo because he would have he would have beat the hell out of me. So I'm I'm glad I took him to the Olympics and and was able to use all my experiences to kind of guide him into his performance, but. Yeah, at that stage, I was very. I, I felt like I made the right decision. Like, man, I got out at the right time because there was a, a young crop of sprinters coming through that were just um, deadly, you know, and bigger than me, stronger than me, hungrier. And it was like, uh, yeah, that was definitely the right time. Yeah. And um, you know, I was in Melbourne for those games, and, and a lot of the talk that I can remember, you know, around the place in the media and what have you, is because the the men's the men's team for Australia weren't having the the greatest meet overall you know coming to the last day hadn't won any gold medals um you know with a few smash and grabs from some some scots like david carey and, and ryan pinney on the fly and things like that people that you know you wouldn't necessarily have expected to win um do you remember that kind of 
affecting the, the team you know that kind of pressure or that that feeling of, of underperformance is not the right word but you know not living up to expectations in a home games yeah in a way I mean I've, I felt like we were missing some superstars you know mm. young team and it just we didn't have that level I wasn't I wasn't a superstar I was a, I was a strong member of the Australian team but I wasn't a superstar you know and I think that's where you rely on, you know, your Michael Phelps to go in and grab, you know, six or seven gold medals. Your, your Ian Thorpe's, your, you know, those people who are just your your superstars. And um, and it, we just knew we didn't have that, so we never really felt like we underperformed. We felt like we f- performed kind of, you know, to our level, but um, but we were missing the guys that were just so good that no one could beat them, you know. And uh, we just didn't have that. No, I mean history will show that that. You know, the team in the medley really went out and smashed it on the last day and got that gold medal anyway, so finished on a high. But is there is there anything else that, you know, stands out in your memory from the pool? No, not really. I mean, again, it was just those two kind of experiences that I had personally that, like, stick out in my memory. But I just remember... I remember competing with Michael Klim and that being really special for me. Like, I remember walking around the pool um, during the medal ceremony for the relay and thinking to myself, like that's the guy that won the gold medal in Sydney, you know? Like, that's the guy that broke the world record in the 100 free. Like, he's my buddy. He's my teammate. Like, I just remember putting my arm around him, and I've got a couple of photos of it that are really special to me, like us walking around the pool deck for that, you know, freestyle relay and, and feeling like, man, I finally made it. Like, I had dreamed of being on that relay from, you know, when the Mean Machine back in the 80s, you know? And, and here I am at the end of my career walking around the pool deck with Michael Klim, I mean, to me, that's a memory that'll just never disappear. You know, it was very, very special. Well, I think that's a, an excellent place to draw a line under this uh, this set of reminiscences. Brett, thanks very much for sharing. Really loved hearing your um, your, your recollections and uh, discovering the curse of the Commonwealth Games. <laughs> yeah, Steve, thanks for having me, mate. Appreciate it. Well, thanks to Brett for sharing his memories. Always great to get uh, a different perspective on things and, uh, and the Australian one. Certainly very interesting. I'll be back with some more Commonwealth Games memories on the next edition. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Poolboy or Instagram at UK if you want to find out when the next one drops. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple, please do leave us a review. Back soon with the next one. But in the meantime, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Poolboy Podcast. For more episodes, visit www.poolboy.co.uk slash podcast.